general nerdery. First appearing in May 1962 as a combination of Frankenstein's monster and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He's been savage, he's been indestructible, and he's been totally awesome, and he's always been incredible. But now the Hulk is immortal. And as much as I hate it when comics say this, it's really true. Nothing will ever be the same. That was really good. Yeah, I've been thinking about it for like two days. I completely ruined it by this part, but... That was really I good. <laughs> Welcome to General Nerdery. We're very proud of ourselves here, apparently. Uh, we're your Generals of Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And if you may have noticed, we're here to talk about the Hulk today, specifically The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing and mostly Joe Bennett, but a few other artists to help out mm -hmm. along the way. Uh, before we get there, during these times of uncertainty in our world, what have you been interested in? <laughs> uh... I've decided to be kind of mean to myself this week. Um, I have been listening to the audiobook adaptation of The General History of the Pirates. It is the contemporary source for most of what we know about the Golden Age of Piracy. Uh, it is, the version I have is credited to Daniel Defoe. Okay. I think Daniel's his first name. The guy who wrote Robinson Crusoe, um, which was a really popular in vogue theory when this, or for like, 10 to 20 years, but it's recently been considered unlikely because mm. they're like, no, he was definitely doing this other thing when this book came out. But it's interesting. It's apparently really accurate, but it doesn't give its own sources very well. Okay. But there's enough cor corroboration from other sources that are like, wow, this is pretty fucking good. But it's, you know, the story of Blackbeard, the story of uh, Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed, the story of, I think, Black Bart is in there. Like, all of okay. the big pirate names. But it was written in, you know, like the 1750s, like when this was a thing. And it's kind of disconcerting that way because they'll talk about, oh, these were the people captured after we killed Blackbeard. This one's still alive and begging over in this city right now. Like... Mm. And I'm like, what? That's not right. This was written in 1752. Uh, it is good. I'm enjoying it. But it is definitely... Reading old literature is hard, even when it's not super complicated writing like this one, just because the way everyone talked is so different. Right. Uh, so if I'm not careful, I'll get caught just listening to, like, the flow and realize I have no idea what's going on anymore. Mm -hmm. Also... While not, like, explicitly pro-slavery, the, like, casual acceptance of slavery that comes up, because we don't talk about it much, but a major prize for a lot of pirates was Slave. slaves, because it was a major part of the uh, economy in, you know, the Bahamas and the Americas. They're like, oh, they, you know, captured this many uh, black folks, not the term they use, but still. Mm -hmm. They're not as racist as they could be, but still. Uh, and I'm like, whoa, oh, that should, hmm, right, okay. <laughs> like, like they're, they're after bounty and they were worth things at the time because I, of chattel slavery. So. I really love reading old literature, but there's a definite bit where you have to be like, oh, right, okay. It's not okay. And it wasn't okay then either, but it was what it was. I have that a lot on Art of War Gaming where mm. they'll talk about like, and this is when you should whip a man to death. And I'm like, D no. This is not <laughs> when you should whip a man to death. But I get it. 
but this was written 2,000 years ago. Like, That's, uh, yeah. That's a lot more brainy than my ingesting. <laughs> That's okay. Everything else has been, like, more BuzzFeed Unsolved while I'm packing up the house, so... Yeah, for me, it was, well, it was Halloween week. Mm -hmm. It was also just, like, hell week at work, so I've been oh, yeah, mostly half comatose all week, weekend. Uh, but I decided to to celebrate Halloween a little bit and watch a couple extra horror movies rather than just <laughs> what I watch every week anyway. Um, so I did rewatch House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects because they're two of my favorites. I was going to watch another movie, but then I realized it was taken off streaming and I just decided to like play video games instead. Along with that, I... Me and my girlfriend binged the entire new Netflix docu-series High Score, which is kind of just like a crash course on the early history of video gaming. Oh, cool. Uh, that was... We gave it a shot because it kind of looked like it was in the same vein as, like, The Toys That Made Us, which mm -hmm. is incredible. Amazing, yeah. It's not quite that charming or well done. It's still pretty good. It's like, still fun. It's yeah. fun. It's still fun. It's not... That's the problem with finding something, you know, like a documentary or whatever that's really great when you look for other stuff like it. And it's still good, but it's not as good. Um, it was one of those ones where even though I was learning things I didn't know before, I was kind of surprised that they were also leaving out big things with Ooh, the topics yep. that they were touching on. Welcome to every comic documentary I've ever watched. I don't know. It was it was neat, though. Like, I... I mean, I'd overall recommend it, even though that's not the section we're in right now. But nice. And that touched off me uh, picking up a first-person shooter for the first time in, like, a year. You were playing this when I came in. So I was playing... So I've been playing some Battlefield Five again this weekend, which I haven't played since its drop, because its drop was messy and not good. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it now. Like, it mm -hmm. feels fine there's still weird things about it and especially uh some things that kind of feel like they might have went backwards from battlefield one but uh, it's fine it's fine it's fine it's all fine it's a battlefield game i enjoy you know what you're getting into yeah. with battlefield yeah um oh uh we did watch hocus pocus and young frankenstein on mm. halloween which is kind of our various yearly traditions um i honestly don't know if i've ever seen hocus pocus all the way through before like, I'd seen every scene, but I didn't... If I've seen it in one sitting, it's been years. They scream a lot in that movie. I still remember seeing it in theaters. And then, obviously, you and I both watched Mandalorian. Yeah. I was going to kind of use that <laughs> to kick off the news a little bit. Okay. Like, Mandalorian Season 2 has started. We usually do entire episodes dedicated to Mandalorian, but I'm we're not going to not talk about this at least for a couple minutes. But we're going to keep it real brief. Yeah. Here. Holy shit. Holy shit is right. Like, that. this might be my favorite episode so far. It is not. But it's a real, real solid start to the first season. Let's just say, like, I'll keep track again. Minor spoilers for, like, three minutes. So we okay. can just talk about this real cool. briefly. Uh, first off, I guess this wouldn't actually be a spoiler, but holy shit, Womp Rats. Yeah, finally see what a Womp Rat looks like. We finally see uh, a fucking Krite Dragon. 
Yeah. We see a cryot dragon. Oh my god. That pearl was like the size of a head. That's do they just like because in old school lore you could use crate dragon pearls for lightsabers. I'm guessing they must like chip off a chunk and Or like like there are smaller ones, maybe. That did seem like an uncommonly large crate dragon. Well, and they included the pearl after the whole crate dragon thing is also a nod to the the coder mission. Mm. There's a Knights of the Old Republic mission where you have to kill a crate dragon. And the way that a mission initially folds out is you're supposed to lure it on top of the mines. Oh, shit. I did not know this. I've <laughs> I've played bits of KOTOR, but uh, I didn't have access until Old Republic. Mm-hmm. And trying to go back to KOTOR after playing Old Republic is frustrating. I could see that. Just the, the controls and everything and the, like... I mean, honestly, the first one's a little bit frustrating even after having played number two, mm-hmm. with number two being an incomplete mess. But a better... Dis- and, you know, that's not uncommon with sequels, with the controls being like, okay, this is what worked, this is what didn't, let's... Mm-hmm. Let's fine-tune this. Yes, yeah, so let's tweak. A little bit of quality of life in there. Oh, dude, the end. Oh, Boba Fett? Boba. I was like, oh, what? I just kept having this thought. So this is like five years after he was eaten. He just happens to show up at that one spot right when Mando leaves with it. Does that mean he spent five years trying to track down his fucking armor, finally shows up, and bam, it's gone? (laughs) I'm wondering if there maybe just wasn't some reason he was just... He wasn't just monitoring the armor, and he's been there for a while, just sort of overseeing Cobb Vanth and making sure he didn't fuck up in some way. Yeah. People really loved Cobb Vanth, and I mean, Timothy Oliphant's great, but uh, there was one scene that really bothered me where they're just talking while going fucking a million miles an hour on the speeder bikes and like casually chatting to each other. Trust me, I have been on motorcycles. That's not how that shit works. I'm wa- <laughs> also, his fucking, it was a pod racer edge yeah. with just him sitting on the side. Like, that's the scariest, greatest thing I desperately want. That's unfortunately our three minutes. Hey, we'll do a full episode on uh, like a half season. I promise. I feel like that's just going to become a thing for us every four episodes. I agree. Uh, real quick, humanized Tusken Raiders. Yes, that's not really a spoiler. Tusken Raiders, they already did it in the previous ones. And the more, but we, not like this. Yes, the more we see with Tuscan Raiders, the more I want to see them, uh, and the less problematic the Tuscan Raiders kind of become, as opposed to just native standing. screaming savages. Yeah, like cool. We got to, we got to talk oh, about I that. Needed that. needed that, everybody. <laughs> that was so cool. Uh, okay, we've brought up this franchise way too many times to not at least mention the fact that Sean Connery passed because we've brought a bond like every other episode for one reason or another. Um, I've had really conflicting feelings about this one because I really like a lot of shit that Sean Connery's in, but especially when I read up a little bit after he died, he was kind of a piece of crap himself. I, yeah, And it seems like there's been a lot of people just super ready to be like, he's a piece of shit, don't mark his death. But, like, I don't know. When you've made his bit, like, he he is still Bond for many people. He has, I mean, he's one of the first ones I think of. 
Um, he's he, Indy's dad. Like he's kind of gets to fall for me. And you know what? If you don't deal with Sean Connery because he was kind of a piece of shit, you know that's fair. That's legitimate. I don't begrudge anyone that thought. But at the same time, he has one of the most important careers in the history of cinema. Yeah. Including sometimes for the decisions he didn't make. Like, no, I don't want to be Gandalf. I don't understand what's happening in this. Holy shit, the mark, like, that choice made. No shit. He somehow, he managed to play every character as a fucking Scottish man and nobody cared. He played an Egyptian who lived in Japan, who worked for the King of Spain, and talked with a Scottish accent while insulting the Highlander and his culture. And I fucking don't care at all. Highlander is honestly one of my favorite movies, and not just in a, like, it's bad in the 80s kind of way, mm -hmm. but something about it, like, fires up my nerdy blood. Oh, we're going to have to hit Highlander soon then, because Highlander franchise in general really does it for me. Okay, but we're going to do like Highlander and maybe Highlander the TV show. I don't need to scream as much as Highlander 2, 3, and the fucking later movies are. Did you ever see the anime movie? Because that might be worth doing. I've always wanted to do that one. Uh, but, you know, Sean Connery, like as you said, he's Bond. He was fucking Ramirez. Uh, Alan Quartermain. Alan Quartermain. That one is less good, but it was... I actually had a lot of fun watching that movie. I was just aware yeah. that it was Drek while watching it. Fucking The Rock. The best Michael Bay movie. Yeah. A bunch of other really bad movies. One where he made out with Catherine Zeta-Jones when he was like 40 years older than her. At oh, his insistence. Fuck. What was the name Entrapment. of that? Yeah, I was about to and say, I watched that. I mostly remember that because it came up when I was reading about him. Because one, he was randomly like... We need to have a makeout scene. And they're like, you're 40 years older than her. And he's like, do it. And they fucking did it. And then Zeta Jones was like, he's really good at that. And his wife got pissy, was like, hey, mind your business. <laughs> like, which she'd been, he'd been cheating on her for like 40 years at that point. So I get it. But you the man now, dog. <laughs> mm. God, I fucking forgot about, what is that? Um, what was that? <laughs> That's another one I saw in the fucking theaters, and I can't he's an the fucking name No, he's, not, he's an author, and he becomes a shitty mentor to an impoverished black kid. Uh, one of my dad's high school buddies or something like that wrote it. Finding Forrester. I remember liking that movie. I wonder if I watched it now, if it would be a little white savory. Right, because I, I saw it when it came out, and probably when it dropped on video, and I have not seen it since. Exactly. It's like Save the Last Dance. I remember it being really cool, and like, yeah, let's have real discussion on race. And if I looked at it now, I might be like, oh, no, oh, oh, no. Um, yeah, we enjoy him, I, and acknowledge he was a kind of a shitty guy. Yeah, I don't have to like Sean Connery to to enjoy Sean Connery. Like it's kind of the personal versus the private life or uh, public life. Sorry. And there's real, I mean, we had an entire episode on like people we enjoy who suck, 
And he just fits in that. <laughs> yeah. Unlike a lot of the other people, I think, that we brought up, though, like, he kind of just let himself also fade out. Yeah, he got old enough and was like, all right, fine, I'm done. Which I kind of wish some of these other people would do. <laughs> we wouldn't have to listen to him. <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, yep. So. Feel your feelings on that one. Yeah, feel your feelings. Um, I mean, the thing is, I can't extract how often and how much he fucking touched my life growing up, though. Yeah, that's that's really it. He meant too much and too many things. If I had, like, discovered him five years ago, sure. But, I mean, I watched... My first Bond movie was the fucking You Only Live Twice, the mm. racist Japan one. Oh, right, right, right. Which I loved as a kid, but even then I was like, oh, I don't know if they should be dressing Sean Connery up as a Japanese man. Like, this makeup seems uncomfortable. I mean, <laughs> Dragonheart? Anyway. Zardoz. No, that's not a childhood one. That's, <laughs> yeah, that was much later. Like, that's drunk in college one. <laughs> 100% drunk in college one. All right. We, Sean Connery, there's that. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed again to December 10th. Stop announcing things until you're ready. Uh, especially this thing, because it's just continually starting to piss people off. Like I said, I know somebody who had requested off days just to play so they this play game. Uh, you know, just spend those days playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I am sure they're breathing a sigh of fucking relief, because I know that those games were coming out like just right on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, I am excited for it to eventually finally come out, though, because... Uh, like a cyberpunk universe featuring Keanu Reeves playing another character named Johnny, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, this is just Johnny Mnemonic the game. Um. <laughs> also, like, I have not been following the production of it as close as some of my coworkers, and I listened to them talk about it, and everything they describe about it, you could replace Cyberpunk 2077 with Shadowrun. And it'd be almost indistinguishable. It's the biggest reason that I've wanted to play it. And I don't... It, there's no way in hell it's coming out for the Switch. So I don't know if or when I'll ever be able to. But... Uh, God, I loved me some Shadowrun. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings has wrapped on production. We'll probably still get reshoots because they are the most common thing in the universe despite how headlines always blow up about them. but We've mentioned this a couple times at this point. Just expect reshoots. Mm -hmm. Things are going to happen, and if you have the budget, it's a good idea. Just refine it. Yeah. That's fine. Oh, this scene doesn't quite fucking play how we wanted to or how we thought it would before editing. Like, uh, That's going to be... I think that's going to be cool. I don't know much about Shang-Chi, so, like, I'm, I'm wanting them to give me my Shang-Chi. You know what I mean? Uh, created by Jim Starlin, who created Thanos, is just directly a Bruce Lee, par uh, not parody, uh, homage, and was originally the son of Fu Manchu, but they lost the rights to Fu Manchu mm. because he's not a Marvel property. Right, right. And so ever since then, they've just referred to him as your father. Uh... And your father is... Kind of evil Everyone is supposed to fucking, know. like, your father is pretty much the yellow peril in human form, if we're being honest here, but. Right. Um, 
thought it was worth mentioning that, that they got that done, even through this time of COVID. Obviously, it's a Marvel flick. There's going to be a lot of post on it. I don't think we're due to see it till like the end of next year. And that's even depending on... Who fucking knows what's happening right, right now? I'm excited for it. I am excited for them doing different things again. Because, I mean, I recently rewatched both of the Guardians movies. And I realized the reason I love those two so much is... Because they're Marvel movies to their bone, but they also are other things. Mm -hmm. I've seen enough Marvel movies that I want Marvel Plus now. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they're, the Guardians flicks might have the most complete, like, through line with, like, characters growing in specific ways out of all of those. And, like, actual themes. Yeah. <laughs> I found myself... Well, the second one was wrapping up wishing that they hadn't been made. There was no way they couldn't be major parts of Infinity Wars, but I found myself wishing they weren't mm. because it's going to interrupt that flow that you were just talking about. Like It's true. I'm not really sure where this Last Guardians is going to go, but anyway, that's a whole different discussion. With that wrapping, something that was delayed is coming back. Why the Last Man is finally going into production with some new cast members because due to it being postponed so due to COVID, yeah. they ended up having to, to recast some people. Finally? Uh, um, yeah. Ironically, I was just recently, because I have just moved like all of my comic books and it's a terrible experience. Uh, and I was recently like, man, do I want to get rid of my Y books? They're extremely good. I highly recommend reading them if you haven't. But like, I was sitting there being like, am I ever going to reread these? I don't know. And now they're talking about it again and why is going to get more interesting. So if nothing else, I'll probably keep them because I'll have a friend being like, hey, do you have why? Can I possibly borrow that? Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> uh, some of the list, some of the, the casting, that it, two, two things of the casting interest me just because I'm already a fan. Imogen Poots was going to be Hero Brown, York's sister. Uh... She's been replaced by Olivia Thurlby, who was the young judge in Dread, like his okay, sidekick. Yes. Yeah. And she's amazing, so. That's the only thing I've seen her in. She was good there, but Dread is a weird movie to, like, judge someone's acting abilities off of. And another one that was announced is Amber Tamblyn is going to be playing Kimberly Cunningham. There was a few other castings announced, but... Personally, those are the two that drew my attention, because Amber Tamblyn was on House... Uh, and she was amazing on that and is the daughter of Western character actor Russ Tamblin, who was the son of a gunfighter. So she appears in Django Unchained for all of two seconds, but gets credited as daughter of a son of a gunfighter. <laughs> wow. Um, it'll be good. I am sure why The Last Man will be good. It'll piss off all the right people, too. <clears throat> Which is funny because it's old enough now that it's from the era that people were like, oh, I wish when comics weren't political. Mm -hmm. <laughs> fucking Why the Last Man is the most political fucking thing I've ever read. Um, it's Brian K. Vaughn, so it's automatically excellent. And then to round out the news, uh, they have announced that Gendy Tartakovsky is going to be getting a new show on HBO Max called Unicorn <laughs> Unicorn colon Warriors Eternal. Yes. Uh, Everything about that sentence is fucking gorgeous. It's supposed to be a supernatural series about a group of ancient teen heroes. 
basically it's a bunch of myths and legend mythical and legendary heroes have been reborn but they're all currently stuck as teenagers uh, I'm looking at the picture you're showing me here. I love everything that is happening. It's creepy as all get out. Uh, I Samurai Jack is one of probably like five perfect TV shows. That doesn't always mean it's automatically the best of the like TV shows ever made. Although I'll put say it's up there still, mm -hmm. uh, but it is perfect. It knew everything it wanted to be, and it did. All of it. I've been like, hearing gangbuster reviews about his latest show, Primal. Primal, I have not watched yet because uh, they did it half and half, and I was just going to wait for all of it to come out and right. sit down and do it in a day. Because uh, it's supposed to tell a complete story, I think. I think. Is supposed to be fucking excellent. I mean, I have the Luke Cage, Gendy Tartavosky comic book that they did. That oh, he did. Shit. Like, he wrote and illustrated, and it's like... Old school Luke Cage, silk shirt and hat and stuff, and he fights werewolves and shit. It's nuts, and it's crazy black exploitation, but it's also you know Luke Cage. Like that's mm -hmm. it's aware of what it's being. Uh, and the Clone Wars shorts he did is some of the best that Star Wars has ever been. Oh, so those Clone Wars shorts yes. might be some of my favorite work by him. Anytime Gendy Tartavosky is doing a thing, I'll be like, all right, let's do this. Like, if you told me the name, you wouldn't have sold me everything else I'm good with. Unicorn, Warriors Eternal. I'm just willing to go with it anyways. Just see what happens. I th I think... Look, when they successfully the, made She-Ra, Princess of Power, as good as it, it was... That's true. Then, like, at this point, sure, anything that I usually roll my eyes at, I am now sold on. I think the uh, these... Uh, mythical and legendary heroes are the unicorns in question from the way some of the stuff was worded. Excellent. That's all I got for this week. All right. Let's take a quick break and then let's uh, dive into hell. Oh, I take that back. One last thing. Oh! Nilfgaard armor no longer looks like nutsacks. Now I'm done. In The Witcher. Ah. Just wanted to throw that out there because nutsack armor is no good. So as you may have picked up over the last year, I have read a lot of comic books in my life. And I have to say, I have never read one quite like this book. Uh, it there, There's a feeling I realized that I was having because I was reading it right before bed. And I got flashbacks to being like 8 to 12 years old and like in bed with an oversized flashlight. I don't know why every child seems to have this experience with like the big flashlight reading a book that you're probably like a little too young for. Uh, it made me think of a lot of your like stories of discovering HP Lovecraft for the first time mm. and stuff like that. And I got that feeling from this book, which I appreciated like a lot. I almost feel like I'm the only kid that doesn't have those stories. Yeah, you were just reading them, like, on the couch. I mean, I was reading weird shit on the couch, too, but, like... Well, that and because, like, I've been an insomniac since I was a little kid. My parents just rolled with it. As long as I was reading, it was okay. Like, okay. if I was just laying there, then I had to at least try to sleep. But if I was doing something to, like... Like, they were okay with me reading, like, all the time. So if I woke up and read till I was fe felt sleepy, they were okay with me just flipping on the fucking lights and just reading in the middle of the night, whatever the fuck I wanted to. Yeah, uh, Dad busted me a couple of times, like, 
giving me a hug good night and feeling the crinkle of the comic books I hid under my shirt when I was like <laughs> nine years old and thought that was clever. Uh, yeah, I've been this way for a long time, everybody. <laughs> um, I had to hide my late night TV watching. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, but anyways, before we dive into Immortal Hulk, I guess we should start with, because we have never really discussed this. Do you have any relationship with Hulk in general? I kind of, I in general before this, don't care about the Hulk. Okay, that's super fair. Uh, like, he's fine. I have nothing against the Hulk. Yeah, this seems to be the answer I'm getting the most often when I try to recommend this book to people. They're like, Hulk was fine. And I get it. Uh, Hulk is... Hulk is like Thor. He is a very difficult character to write in a way that is ongoing and interesting. Real quick, Hulk, created in May 1962, as I already said earlier, by uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby, although I don't think Kirby was on the book for very long. I think someone else did the actual art. And he was a combination of a couple of things, a fear of the atomic age, and a those old Hammer horror films. So, you know, Frankenstein, uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, even the uh, even like Dracula to an extent. And Stanley just kind of merged those two together, came up with the Hulk. And it didn't do very well, honestly. It got canceled within his first like 10 issues. Every other Marvel character we think of as like these amazing successes immediately took off. People did not mesh with the Hulk, but Al Ewing here did. He found those old, like, original 12 issues and went, this is great. What the fuck is this? <laughs> and decided he wanted to recreate that feel. Um, I've been reading, I've read Hulk off and on for years. I mean, I watched the Ang Lee oh, Hulk yeah, yeah. and when I, I thought the it Eric was good. Banna. Yeah, I thought it was good when I was a kid and then watched it not terribly long later and went, oh, this is... Not, Not great. great. Uh, I was aware of the TV show, obviously. And I have a few issues. Like, uh, my recommendation is going to be uh, a good Hulk story. But anytime I tried to pick it up, I'd be like, this is fun. And then, like, six issues later, just wander off. Um, I've collected seven volumes of this fucking book at this point. I mean, so, today, I told you this early in the way, earlier in the week. Uh, to date, my favorite Hulk moment is one fucking panel. And it was in the, uh, when they did the, God, I can't remember who, I can't, re you'll know who did the run. The fucking, the Silver Surfer when they did the Marvel Now. Uh, Dan Slott? Yes. And Mike Allred. That's right. Super fun run. Mm, so good. Let's make Silver Surfer Doctor Who. Um, there's a part where they run into the Hulk. And I believe Dawn was the name of the, the girl yes. that was with him. She's just... At, like rapid firing a bunch of questions at the Hulk sort of in the background while Silver Surfer is sort of trying to figure out what they need to do next. Mm -hmm. And it's just like my favorite thing. She just asks, how do you pee? And he answers from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter David, who is a, he's not one of my favorite authors, but he's one of those authors that anytime Peter David's writing it, I go, mm -hmm. oh, that's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a reliably good book, whatever he's fucking writing. Wrote a pretty legendary Hulk run for, like, 20 years or something like that. Like, from part of the 80s up through most of the 90s, at least. 
Dang. And even that, I've read bits of and parts of it. I'm like, this is good. And then I'll just kind of get bored and wander off. That's been my real experience with the Hulk. My favorite Hulk is Thor Ragnarok, probably. Yeah. Or Avengers Earth's Mightiest Hero. No, Thor Ragnarok. Just Thor Ragnarok. Uh, you haven't watched Endgame yet, have you? I have Endga- not. Endgame Hulk's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I should really just say Marvel Cinematic Universe Hulk, but like yeah. that's the one where he got the most room to be fun, a person, a <laughs> character, <laughs> as opposed to just the muscle. Who's that actor? Why can't I think of that actor? Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. I mean, like I, I even liked Edward Norton as the Hulk, but Mark Ruffalo brought uh, a joy to it that I didn't expect to see from a Hulk character. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, all that being said, this is now my favorite Hulk, mm-hmm. and it's a story that I'm actually interested to keep reading. Yeah, you said you're 20 issues in. That's 20. You've read that within the last week, too, so you've been reading a lot of Hulk in that time. Within the last three days. <laughs> uh, actually, that's part of my experience with this, and uh, I'll say we're basically talking about like the first 14 issues. Yeah, 14, 15, the first like three story arcs, basically. So I'm not going to feel the need to shy away from spoilers because they're like seven volumes in on this right now. So nothing's technically a spoiler yet. I believe they're at somewhere around like 35 to 40 issues. That's a solid run. Uh, This run was originally not intended to last super long. I think it was like two years. And then it outsold Batman. Hulk has never in its existence outsold Batman. So uh, they went, oh, my God, we need to keep this going. Um, So, yeah, we might accidentally spoil, like, the first story line. We're going to openly spoil the first story, uh, bits and pieces of this as we go along. But there's not a lot that we can truly spoil because we're not that far yet. We're not caught up. As I already mentioned, this book was created by uh, Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. I want to talk about Ewing just real fast because he's... Probably Marvel's best talent right now, and this book is part of my evidence of why. Um, I have been reading Ewing since he did, like, a six-year Avengers run Mm. over, like, six different Avengers books. Like, uh, you know, write Avengers for 20 issues, and then it would get canceled, and they'd launch, relaunch with a new team. Old-school Avengers used to just be like, all right, now we're going to change the team. We don't need to relaunch the book. Just whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, And I followed him through most of that, and Hulk appeared periodically through his run there and his Hulk was always a little weird. Uh, they did like a, it's one of my favorite Avengers tropes where Avengers from throughout time are brought together. And the, the Avenger from like the founding five just showing up was Hulk. And they explain at the time as his body is, he's still so early in his transformation that his body is, morphing weird like weird things can still kind of happen and this hulk gets his head cut off and like grows back but like banner's head grows back too or something like that so there's like like a little hulk and like banner hulk like yeah sort of arguing with each other and it's fucking weird and i was automatically like i've never seen hulk like this and then they launched the book and i'm like oh so this is just this is just what your Hulk is. Like, all the rules are broken here. Mm-hmm. Um, and broken, but familiar. Familiar. They all fit everything that's happened before. It's one of the reasons why I like Ewing. He'll make huge changes, but they're organic. Now, I I will say 
I felt weird going in or once I got like a hundred pages or so into this, I mm-hmm. started feeling weird about my recommendation last week because this is the next, this storyline is the next closest thing to doing something like an anatomy lesson that I've ever read. Yeah. It's like an extended anatomy lesson yeah. over the course of like 30 issues. So Hulk right before this was killed, like successfully killed, uh, the his gamma had been like pulled away from him to create the totally awesome Hulk, who's a different character, who, which is another good book. But I also just wandered off from it after a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Civil War II, which was a very bad event, Hawkeye shoots Hulk in the head. Uh, thanks to predictions that Hulk was going to rage out and destroy a city, the entire Civil War II was minority port in the Marvel universe. It's not great. Uh, and everyone's like, what the fuck? That's wildly out of character for Hawkeye. So they, their like explanation for that was Bruce asked him to. Right. And then while he's dead, his corpse is brought back a couple of times. And you're like, wow, they keep faking out when Hulk's coming back. Cause everyone knows you, Bruce Banner's coming back. You're not going to. Yeah. His name's not uncle Ben. His, you know, comic book death. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be the most old man sentence I've ever said as a nerd. Comic book death used to mean something. It didn't. And then it became like they die and you knew they're going to come back, but half the fun was seeing how they came back. And then Marvel just like literally had a rule that a major character had to die like every quarter or every six months or something Mm. because there was a big enough sales spike every time that happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could see that. And I... I absolutely see how that happens because I've bought books just because characters. So and so dies. Yeah, I have too. And then we all caught on that this was happening and I don't fucking do that anymore. And it's part of the reason the comic book industry is struggling because they would go for cheap gimmicky things like, oh, Black Panther, Bruce Banner. Captain America, actually, Cap's death was really fucking good. That was <laughs> right around when they figured out that the huge sales spikes were happening. And they mm. went, we need to do this all the time. And people were like, fuck. Um, but, you know, you knew he was coming back. And as I said, even with it being overdone, part of the fun is how will they come back? Uh, X-Men has been doing a similar thing of really leaning into characters die and then come back being like a plot point but not nearly in as interesting a way. Dawn of X is, in my opinion, not as interesting as Immortal Hulk. Yeah, because speed, like, with a... <laughs> technically, as far as these issues play out, a main character dies almost every issue. Almost every issue. Bruce Banner dies a lot, you guys. Like, we knew this, but Jesus Christ. But it all still feels tied into what we've seen. We know that the Hulk has... A regenerative factor. And we know that it's an insane one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is just tacking more understanding and more rules onto what we already knew. One of the coolest scenes of Hulk I've ever read was a fight where literally someone flash fries all his skin off. That sounds super gross, but it was just a really well done storyline. And he's just like, hold on a minute. This hurts. This is one of his smarter periods. And he like grows his skin back. Like that's, he's got insane put Wolverine to shame healing factor. And this brings it up to the next level of just, you can't kill the Hulk. You can kill Bruce Banner, but he comes back Mm -hmm. and they pull way back to old school Hulk. Cause it used to be Bruce Banner at day Hulk at night. And then it turned into when he gets too angry, he becomes the Hulk. 
But this one, Night Belongs to the Hulk, is a sentence that's used a lot, and it's always cool when it happens in this book. That's true. Night belongs to him. The night is his time. Night is Hulk's time. And every time I'm like, yeah, it is. Sure, you said this like five pages ago, but... Uh, you mentioned one of the things that really makes this pop for me is I, as far as my experience with the Hulk goes, I've always preferred a smarter Hulk and devil Hulk isn't a dumb Hulk. No, he's very smart. He's not, but he's not super genius, analytic, logical, smart. He's emotional hunches. But he's, because of the slight supernatural aspect to Gamma, which they talk about eventually. Mm -hmm. Which we'll get to in a moment. He's preternaturally good at those hunches. Yeah, he picks up things, he can sense things that others can't. I Actually, my favorite way of doing Hulk is that you don't necessarily know which Hulk you're going to get. That you can get Savage Hulk, because sometimes I do like Stupid Hulk. Like, Mm -hmm. there's... Uh, great issues with that. Or you could get Joe Fixit, who is the Grey Hulk. Uh, Fun Hulk story here. Hulk was originally Grey. Like, this is a very commonly known thing. And they changed him green. And the reason they changed him green is because uh, printing style was shit at the time. Mm. And Grey never came out very well. It would range between white to, like, you know, blackface black. Like, just... All black with, like, eyes and a mouth. Yeah. Um, and there was no way to reliably predict which one you were going to get. So they needed to change the colors. And they went, uh, make them green. That's that's radiation-y. Because it's not, but people have decided it is yeah, thanks yeah. to movies. And so they did. And it, like, kind of changed Hulk in a lot of ways. And then years later, Peter David, the guy that I mentioned that had the long Hulk run, brings back Grey Hulk. And Grey Hulk is a crook. He's kind of like Bruce Banner's like, this is what a like tough guy should be. Yeah. He's a fucking Las Vegas enforcer and works as that for a while uh, and goes by the name of Joe Fixit. And it is the most bizarre fucking thing I've ever read to have the Hulk be undercover as a like mob enforcer and everyone just fucking buys it. Like no one thinks anything of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it, 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 it's fun to end up with, like, when he comes out, are you going to get a mob enforcer or a savage or the professor who is Hulk with Bruce Banner smarts? Right. Or now the devil Hulk, which fuck. <laughs> devil Hulk's my favorite one. He'll fucking eat you, literally. I can't. You wouldn't have. You haven't. Have you gotten to where Fix It pops back up? Um, I know he pops up. I have not gotten to okay. that point in the book yet. I just like fix it because you never know what you're going to get. Okay. Because he pops back up. It's So that's the other thing. This, once again, I have only a passing familiarity with some of these characters, but this book is already, if you have had anything at all to do with gamma radiation at any time in the Marvel Universe, we're we gonna are going to use you. Yeah. They fucking make Walter Langowski the Sasquatch a major fucking character in this. Man. When I saw Sasquatch, I almost I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Sasquatch isn't even a major character in the book that he's the most recognizable star from. No one cares about Alpha Flight. You know how I know? Because I've tried. Like, I like that they exist, but anytime I've been like, I'll read an Alpha Flight book. Whew. 
I say I get bored with Hulk real fast. Um, they're Canadian superheroes. Oh, yeah. And he's Canadian Hulk, which they already kind of had with the fucking Wendigo. But uh, that was, I mean, and then Puck. I do love Puck. Puck is like the part of, uh, he joined X-Force for a little while, and the book itself wasn't very good, but let's steal Puck and make him join the X-Men was the most brilliant idea I've ever heard. Oh, Puck has one of the most badass boasts in this, too. Fucking. Puck is a dwarf. He's a little person, and his power is basically like peak physical condition, kind of, you know, like Batman, Captain America, acrobat kind of thing. And he just is this little dude that hangs out and smokes cigars and routinely saves Canada and now the world because Marvel had this weird solution for Alpha Flight of no one cares about Canada superheroes. So we're going to make them Captain Marvel's backup team and they can be like global superheroes and live in a space station. And still no one really cares about them, but still it gives people excuses to use Puck as a character. I was trying to find the little, his little badass bo boast moment, but I couldn't find it. They're everywhere. There's in X-Force, he hit on Storm for a while, mostly because he knew it would make Wolverine mad. And uh, even that, I was like, I could see it. So as we've mentioned, this is Mortal Hulk. Bruce Banner can die. Bruce Banner routinely dies. He is, the, the first couple issues of this is basically Bruce Banner shows up to a town, is usually killed, Hulk comes out and writes some wrong, usually gamma related, but not always. The first issue is about a robbery that goes bad. Bruce Banner is shot. A little girl is shot. Hulk wakes up and gets revenge. And even with like, you know, that should happen. Hulk doesn't necessarily feel like the good guy there. There's a reason we're calling this Hulk devil Hulk. I do. Uh... That's kind of a good little segue into the one thing I didn't think this series was very successful on. Yeah. There's a part in that first that first little arc uh, before they actually get to hell where Hulk intentionally crosses the line. Mm-hmm. They, they point out a number of times throughout this that even through all of Hulk's rampages, he never killed anybody. It almost seemed supernatural how people would yeah, Civilians they don't always keep to that very closely because it's pretty much impossible to right. do with a Hulk story. Uh, but they roll with it here. This Hulk basically eats somebody. And there's, yeah, this Hulk basically eats somebody. Actually, that was part was super neat. And that's part of the problem. Welcome to Body Horror, the comic book. The neatness of how it happens, like the ingenuity uh -huh. and the the grotesque wonderfulness of the art overshadowed dude work of Joe Bennett's career, the overshadowed what was actually happening there for me. I feel like it was supposed to be a bigger landing moment that Hulk crossed that line and it didn't even register with me until some characters had to literally say it like four. Hulk's never pages. killed it. Yeah. And I had that same thing. I was like, Oh shit, you're right. They do say that a lot. Because I forget about that fact. Because mm -hmm. again, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, as much as I like it, it it it's easy for Hulk writers to go too far into the horror side because he's not a very good superhero. But if you don't put some superheroic aspects to him, the stories get real depressing and stop being fun. Mm -hmm. 
So finding that balance is right, but he doesn't work very well for the, like, try not to kill people range of the Marvel Universe, if we're being honest. She-Hulk generally tends to be a much stronger character. So, yeah. So I kept... Like, that moment stood out to me as, like, oh, this was supposed to hit me harder, and instead it was way too neat for me to care about what was actually happening, like, on a meta level for um, it is. what this Hulk We're is. We're going to spoil this just a little bit because the scene's fucking cool. This shadow-based team, the, the people hunting the Hulk this week, uh, have kidnapped or have managed to successfully get the Hulk... And they dissected him, but he's not dying. He's just hanging out alive in the jars. Uh, and it turns out that this Hulk was letting him, them do that because he wanted to see how strong this immortality thing that's been going on really goes. And he literally pulls himself back together and like the sadist scientist, Dr. Mengele kind of character who was experimenting on him gets absorbed up into him. Yeah. All the pieces are surrounding him. He eats him like an amoeba. Like, it's so fucking weird. Uh, so cool. But but yeah. you're right. It uh, That moment probably should have landed bigger than it did. It reminded me of the movie Fight Club. Tyler Durden is supposed to be the bad guy. But he was portrayed so cool in that movie that people actually went out and started fight clubs. Yeah, this Hulk portrayed real fucking cool. Although I've never, I've never met anyone that would like look at this Hulk and be like, "That's what we should emulate." Right, right, right. <laughs> like, no one wants to be this Hulk. Uh, oh man, because we just talked about them getting taken by Shadow. Oh. I now hope that this is the Hulk that we see most often, like this portrayal. I like Devil Hulk more than the others. I don't know if I want him most often. I want him up in the like. He's way more interesting than the Green Scar from Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, who was like Conan Conqueror mm -hmm. Hulk, which you think Conan Hulk would be right up my alley, but yeah. Well, there's some uh, a little bit past where you got to, and I know that you already know Joe Fixit pops up. Yeah. Part of the reason Joe Fixit pops up is Devil Hulk is smart enough to know when to use the other altars. Mm -hmm. And so he intentionally brings them out, brings himself back and puts Fixit in that situation because he knows fix it will be able to deal with it. I, yeah, I've kept kind of abreast of what happens with Hulk and I know later on it becomes, I mean, devil Hulk is still like a major personality, but isn't quite as like controlling everything as he is in this stage of the book. Right. Uh, it becomes much more a Congress of Hulks inside Bruce Banner's head, which also, I mean, there's a giant emotional journey that's going on at the same time, which is expressed beautifully through the artwork. So it makes sense that he wouldn't always be it. Mm -hmm. Because one of my favorite things throughout this series is like Bruce looking in the mirror and seeing the Hulk. That is a classic move. They've done it at least since the Banner movie. But, but then again, you that have, is artwork. But then you have the twist of when Devil Hulk looks in the mirror, he doesn't see Banner. He sees what's tormenting him, which is Bruce's father. Well, the 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 being from underneath that's using one below all the one below all that's using the, the image of his father to torture him. OK, so this is a super deep cut. So I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know this. Do you know how powerful they have revealed one below all just by like making his name? 
No. The ultimate equivalent of God in the DC universe, the most powerful being that like even the gods bow to is the one above all. Mm. It goes like Galactus and the Celestials and the gods like, you know, Zeus, Thor, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go up uh, a level from there to the like concept powers. So like chaos order eternity, infinity, people like that. And then it goes one up from there to the, uh, oh, he's got three heads and he's a, a basically judge of all reality. Like even eternity bows to him. And then he's got a boss up above and that is one above all. He's appeared maybe once in comics, but he's been mentioned several times. Like he is, mm-hmm. you don't go higher. So by naming him one below all, he is like we are showing the the uh, power level that Hulk is now dealing with. Living Tribunal is the name of the thing I was trying okay. to think of. Um, That's weird Marvel cosmic stuff. Well, and then especially with the Hulk and Hell segments, they start going into duality and mysticism mm-hmm. and how Hulk might fit into that with um, to varying degrees of success. I think when they're just comparing uh, good versus evil and some of the other things overlaid over what the Hulk is doing, it works a lot better than later on when they go, so what is the Hulk then? (laughs) (laughs) And they do an okay job of comparing Hulk to being the judgment and wrath of God and the equivalent to like hurricanes, basically, but... Mm -hmm. I do think it's interesting. The immortal Hulk, devil Hulk Mm -hmm. openly wants to destroy humanity. Doesn't want to be left alone. Doesn't want to save it. This is like, this dude's a super villain, but he's the Hulk. So everyone still kind of tiptoes around him because it's what you have to do with the Hulk. Mm -hmm. And he raises really legitimate points against the existence of humanity. Well, cause he's like, uh, eco justice. Yeah. Eco justice Hulk. (laughs) Um, Hulk is, as we've discussed, Hulk has disassociative identity disorder. And a lot of times in situations like that, different personalities, different, uh, what did, what was the term alters Mm -hmm. kind of exist to fill a role. At least that's the popular thinking of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know enough to say for sure. This was a Hulk that, uh, was created to defend Banner. Like, and he thinks because he's so willing to be so cutthroat uh, to do whatever it takes to defend Banner, he thought that this was like all that was evil inside Banner Mm. and closed him off. Uh, And they talk about in one of them, they're like, we've heard of the Devil Hulk before. I just happened to own that book. (laughs) Like I've owned like four Hulk books total out of thousands of comic books. And I happen to own the one where Devil Hulk pops up before. And he is, he's a weird scaly looking motherfucker that they have to keep locked away in a cage in Hulk's mind. (laughs) Which he comments on. He's like, being an altar, it's also partially projection. So like I was all that was evil and like, Mm -hmm. So, of course, he made me like this scaly serpent. Yeah. And he's like, and I'm not actually all that's evil. I'm the one that will do whatever it takes to survive. And that scares someone like Bruce Banner. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also, one of the first things they do in this, I am just skipping everywhere around here. (laughs) Um, They dumb Banner up a bit. Banner is one of the most brilliant people. He is the person 
that makes Tony Stark feel dumb. Mm -hmm. He is one of the three smartest people in the Marvel Universe. Four. I'll give Black Panther points there. The other being Tony Stark and Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards. And this one... He's not. He came back after he was killed by Hawkeye, but not everything's working right in the brain area. So he's still a nuclear physicist. He's still one of the smartest people on the planet, but he's not the impossible smart person that he had been portrayed as for several years. And it's nice because it limits what they can do. I mean, you can still do anything. It's the fucking Hulk. Right. But like, we can't have, oh, I just threw together this thing, the um, personal force field, and now I can fly in space or fucking whatever. Hulk is a lot closer to the TV show where, you know, he's stealing off clotheslines to survive. Mm -hmm. I guess I hadn't really noticed that till you pointed it out, but it's true. He's not as smart. They mention it briefly in the, some of the early issues, but I mean, uh, it, he's it, also not out much. Yeah. This is mostly a Hulk book, and it's finding that balance between Hulk and Banner is real difficult. And this one's like, let's let's focus more on Hulk for a while here. And for a character as unstoppable as the Hulk, they actually do a lot of really good ways of making stopping you, him of stopping him. <laughs> yeah, in like Hulk believable ways. Yeah, it's not gonna last forever, but you can temporarily beat him. That Hulk versus Avengers fight is one of the most beautiful superhero fights I've seen in a while. And it was the first time that it felt a superhero like battle has mm -hmm. felt like it mattered in a long time because it's again, a very popular comic book motif the last like 15 years. Um, yeah. Oh now Batman and Superman are fighting. Oh, I mean literally Batman versus Superman was a fucking movie. This one felt ugly in a way that the superhero fights haven't in a while. Yeah. Also, Robbie Ray is in the Avengers. Yeah, right. It looks so cool. Um, yeah, I'm happy with that in a big way. Uh, holy shit, Absorbing Man <laughs> getting some time to shine. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Last week we talked about the Floronic Man getting character development that he doesn't deserve. This one is the Absorbing Man. For those that don't know, the Absorbing Man who I believe is primarily a, a Thor villain, but is definitely shows up in Hulk a lot. Nick Nolte plays the Absorbing Man in the 2003, mm. like, Absorbing Man mixed with Hulk's dad. He is a big, bald guy with super strength and the ability to, like, well, absorb. So, like, if he touches metal, he can turn his body into metal. If he touches stone, same thing. Water, whatever. He can yeah. escape that way. Uh, and he has a big-ass ball and chain. That That is his entire shtick. <laughs> and he is super... Oh, he's dumb? And he is super in love with Titania, another super strong villain who is pretty dumb. <laughs> but they're this, like... I kind of love them because even though they'll get in fights, they legitimately love each other. Like, as I was talking about last week, I didn't really enjoy married couples who legitimately like each other. This is that, but two big dumb bruiser supervillains. Mm -hmm. When it's not done right, it's an abusive relationship. When it's done right, it's a very enjoyable, like mutually abusive, but still abusive. Uh, it's a very enjoyable combination. 
they don't use her much here, but they decided, oh, let's give the Absorbing Man, like, an actual arc and stuff to do. Let's give him trauma. They give him a lot of fucking trauma in this one. And just, once again, it's one of those things that works. It falls under... Like, uh, Absorbing Man gets brought in by Shadow Base. They're the, as we said, people of the week that are trying to hunt down the Hulk. Because there's always someone mm -hmm. who upgrade him uh, with Gamma, which makes everything go real wrong. Because right now, every character that's been upgraded with Gamma or has Gamma relations is getting connected through what's called the Green Door into basically hell, as we've mentioned. It's just no, hell. Yeah, it's hell. <laughs> um... It's no good. Anybody involved. Where the one below all can fucking take you over. Like, it's... It's weird fucking H.P. Lovecraft bullshit going on in the Hulk. And after Crusher Creel gets sent to hell, he ends up being like, Whoa, I'm evil, but I'm not that. <laughs> like, I'm a criminal, but I'm not, you know, let's destroy the world kind of criminal. So he ends up joining up with some members of Alpha Flight, Puck and Sasquatch... And I think some other villain, like random oh, ass right. characters that no one really cares about to form Gamma Flight to, <laughs> which originally awesome. Gamma Flight was the name of like the training group for Alpha Flight. Oh, okay. Like it had Alpha Flight and then Beta Flight, which was like the backup heroes. And then Gamma Flight was their trainee program. Which, by the way, that's backup to Alpha Flight. Just pointing that out, because that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but in this one, Gamma Flight is the team that is hunting the Hulk that is not necessarily Satan. Yeah. Because, let's be honest, you can't really, like, in the end of the Avengers movie, the whole, uh, Nick Fury's like, we're not tracking him currently. And I get why. Like, that it was a good moment. You're like, yeah, Hulk deserves one. But, honestly, you can't really let the Hulk wander around and hold any moral high ground. I'm not saying fucking like launch him into the sun. Cause that has never worked well, but if you don't know where the world's most dangerous weapon is, that's on you. That's mm -hmm. like, I hate to argue for big government, but, uh, keep an eye on the Hulk at all times, <laughs> at all times. Ultimately, this is also now my favorite, uh, Jekyll and Hyde story. Yeah, it is very Jekyll and Hyde, especially if they're bringing Fix-It back, who is a criminal, much like Hyde was. The Fix-It part was weird. Yeah. If I'm, It's another part where I feel like they went... Uh, it makes sense with the emotional story that's being told, technically, but Fix-It is literally brought in just because he has better access to... Bruce's memories than Devil Hulk does. Well, Bruce fights Devil Hulk a lot more. And Bruce isn't willing to pop in and help out at that point. All right, yeah, that's a little strange. Um, I hear that the book has been leaning a lot more into classic Hulk lore once it, like, set its tone. I'm right at the point where they were getting past setting their tone. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, I've read about the first 15 issues. You've read the first 20 uh, which, by the way, if any of this has interested you and you guys want to go out and read it, the reason I read the first 20 is, uh, besides the trades, they've been putting out deluxe editions, which I didn't realize. Ooh. 
And so the first deluxe edition, which is Immortal Hulk book one rather than volume one, which mm-hmm. is the trade, it was like I already have Kindle Unlimited. So it was on there. So I read that. And then I was like, OK, Immortal Hulk book, book two, which is actually through issue 20 rather okay. than which is basically. Uh, yeah, the trades are all like one through five, six through 10, mm-hmm. 11 through 15. Yeah, so the book one is like one through seven or something like that. Okay. Or one through ten or something like Probably that. Probably one then... through ten. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I am trying to get more patient when collecting books and uh, waiting until the nicer trades come out mm-hmm. so I can get them a lot more complete with taking up less room because room is becoming a very important factor to consider in my comic book uh, collecting. <laughs> But it's also hard because I like buying trades because it's easier to show support of a book if you're buying the trade when it comes out in the same way that in theory I should be buying the monthlies, but I refuse to fucking do that because monthly comics kind of just need to die. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I hate to say it, but I haven't collected them in years and uh, basing the comic book industry off monthlies is a terrible fucking idea. Or digital only. If you did monthlies digital only, I guess I could see that. Uh, I mean, I collect physical copies. I am always going to stand by that and by my local comic book shop because music exists. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking to read it, note that the deluxe editions are collected differently than the trades, which I didn't know because we were like, oh yeah, we're going to read like the first three. And so I was going to oh, be you're like, like 30 fucking issues. <laughs> well, no, because uh, I was like, there is no book three, but there's volume three. And I went and I started peeking through it and I'm like, I read this already. Okay. Why? Yep. Nope. That's, uh, <laughs> that is a very fair point to put out. Um, it is one of the problems with the way that they do uh, collections because, as I said, they'll release five issues, and then later on they'll release the complete series or book one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets very confusing to collect. I get confused trying to track down what book goes where, and, I mean, this is what I do. Right. Like, So I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really wanted to point out really, about it, though. This is another one of those ones that I mostly want to be like, hey, people need to know this exists. You sold it to me as Hulk meets body horror. There is a lot of body horror in it. It's not quite the same as I thought it was going to be, but then there's some parts that go full on, like almost Cronenberg. So look, when the absorbing man gets like torn in half, that's and, like, what parts I was of his about. skeleton yep. are there. And like Hulk hits him with his own spine. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. That's about. some body horror right fucking there. Also just the way he transforms again, uh, we'd gotten so used to his transformation where he kind of just like flexes and goes, and it like, you know, it's supposed to be painful, but it doesn't look that funky anymore. This makes the transformation look legitimately horrific again. And they do it without showing the transformation a lot, which I think helps. Oh, um, I know I was going to ask you a little bit. Yo. Inform me more on... I. I don't really know Doc Sampson at all. So Doc Sampson, again, arrived in that Peter David run that I mentioned, because if you want to talk about Hulk worth reading, it's generally that Peter David run. Mm -hmm. Um, Leonard Sampson actually appears in The Incredible Hulk, uh, the movie. He's the guy that the modern family guy played. Okay. Uh, The person that Betty Banner was dating and then immediately ditched for Bruce. Okay. Um, He is a psychologist. 
He's a therapist who decided he was going to fix the Hulk. And actually, at one point, uh, the storyline was he did, and all of Hulk got merged together. So he had Hulk's body and Bruce Banner's mind, as all, of, which was like the physical reaction to all of the different alters forming into a single one. Mm. And that is absolute bunk science. So they later explained that uh, Doc Samson wildly unethically basically force created a different alter that everyone thought was like the Mm -hmm. fix, but he was actually just, and that's the professor Hulk. Uh, And when that happened, people were like, dude, what the fuck? And he's like, this was the Hulk. When your patient is the most dangerous weapon alive, that's scary. I don't know how he got his powers. It does in theory relate to the length of his hair, which is why he always has the long hair. And, why he's Samson and, and why he's yeah. Samson. Yes. When they cut his hair, uh, because how gamma hits you is very psychological. So his name was Samson. And so when he got power, it automatically worked like Samson's, but for a while he had like a buzz cut, which one just looked wrong. And two, I'm like, he shouldn't be strong. Why is he beating the Hulk with this? But I like him because he is, he's not the deepest character, but a psychologist for superheroes is just a good idea in the first place. Yeah. Um, and someone who actually was like willing to talk to people, uh, Peter David, anytime he's writing a book, will usually bring in Doc Samson for an episode after a really like big storyline so they can kind of explore. It, it's an easy device for to explore how a character's responding to a thing. And he is one of the few rational, he's not very rational in this, like he's fucking weird as he realized he can't die and is dealing with the strange traumas of that fact. Uh, But he's generally one of the more rational gamma powered characters. Mm. And you really need that when everyone else is transforming into monsters and screaming a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) I've always thought he would make an excellent Avenger because he can fight with the big boys He's good in group dynamics and could, and like the Avengers could use a fucking Diana Troy. <laughs> like he is built to work in the Avengers and they never do it. Other things coming up for you to look forward to is I really like the new take on abomination. The, the body's very, uh, very body horror. Yeah. Well, that's a bomb for your abomination for you. A bomb is a different character. Um, I'm not as big of a fan as the new design for, uh, Red She-Hulk. Oh, she goes Harpy. Mm-hmm. Right, yes. Um, Harpy actually predates Red She-Hulk. She was, Betty Banner was transformed, okay. uh, she was Betty Ross at the time, was transformed into the Harpy a few times. And then she had a run of her own as the Red She-Hulk. She gets mad at him in this because he, he took away Red her Red She-Hulk persona. There was a story where he was going around getting rid of other Gammas for a while. Uh, It's kind of armor wars, but for the Hulk. And, you know, she liked being Red She-Hulk, so I get that. But also it was killing her, so... Deal with it. You have a point, (laughs) but also so did he. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like Betty and Bruce actually liking each other because they're a great pairing when they do. So I'm a little tired of, like, them being hurt against each other. It makes sense. They've been through I, some shit. Yeah, uh, the combination Harpy Red She Hulk design doesn't. So do it yeah, me. basically like buff Red Harpy. Yeah, uh, it's not Harpy was never the strongest concept. I liked that they brought it up because it was one of those things that showed 
a real knowledge of the character. Mm. Because if you're going to change everything, that's fine. But you have to show you understand what you're changing. Yeah, I agree. Also, it's using Rick Jones again. I like Rick Jones. The weird dude who's really talented but doesn't know what he's up to. Like, doesn't really know what he's doing in life. That hangs out with the superheroes is an interesting concept to me. Uh, I do feel like I need to reread the first ones because there's a lot more. I started picking up as it was going on that there was a lot of like little horror related Easter eggs. Mm, I could see that. Uh, I definitely enjoyed a reread from a nerd point of seeing things and being like, oh, I didn't pick this yet. I I didn't notice this. This was Mm. a slow build. Mm -hmm. I love slow builds for that. Yeah, there's little things like I, I, there was like a file or something on one of the computers was like HR Geiger and the password was Nostromo. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the the radioactive ants in one of the in one of the issues don't even look like ants. They're straight up the fucking bugs from Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Like, there's nothing else that they look like. That's 100% what they look like. So I think there's other things I missed earlier on that will make me want to reread it. Uh, and I'm going to continue reading this series, though. I'm probably going to wait for, like, the rest of the co- big collected versions to come. Uh, it's a good idea. I mean, I read the... I picked up the first three, and that's why I'm going to keep collecting the trades, because, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm seven volumes in at this point. I don't want to rebuy them. They're perfectly co- good books. Uh, I read the first three and then I have purposely waited like I have collected them, but I haven't read them yet. So when I sat down, I'd have a good chunk right to work through, which I am enjoying right now. Hell yeah. Um, I think that's what I've got on this, though. I know that's kind of what I got, too. It's great. It's I mean, it is 100 percent horror based. We probably should have mentioned at the beginning of this, like if you go in reading this because of what we just said about this, it is gory. There is, it is violent and it is dark. And you've probably picked up bits of that. It is Um, ultra violent. There are like part, like entire pages where people will just like explode. (laughs) Well, like Hulk's immortal and has a regenerative factor. So there's times where he's carrying on conversations with like a bullet hole through his head. Bruce Banner gets shot in the head in like the fourth page of this book. Oh, I kind of groaned and, but I was smiling really wide with the, uh, my secret is I'm already dead. (laughs) Yeah. That it was a tacky line, but I have to imagine that ever since that line happened in the Avengers, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry that everyone who writes the Hulk wants to use it somewhere. Like it's, I got it. I understood, but it's become like Hulk smash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Read it though. Yeah. Like, like if, if, if you can get through all that, like if all that sounds like your bag or if you're not going to mind, if you have enjoyed the Hulk or even just enjoyed the idea of the Hulk and had the same kind of thing that uh, we talked about of like Hulk is fine, but eh, never really grabbed me. This is the one to let you get proven wrong. If it's going to, if anything is, this is the one. Yeah. On that note, uh, I've got recommendations. If you do. I, I have recommendation as well. So, so I'm going to go with, uh, because I like to, when I can mention like, Oh, if you enjoyed this, you might enjoy this. Uh, 
The other Hulk run that I think is as very good, it's from Peter David's run, because, again, can't stop mentioning him, with artist George Perez, who did Crisis on Infinite Earths, and they did a book called Future Imperfect, where a smarter Hulk, uh, that Professor Hulk I mentioned, is sent forward into the future into a world where there was, like, another radiation hit. Hulk goes mad, kills everyone, and takes over, like, the post-apocalyptic world and goes by the name The Maestro. Mm. And like keeps a museum. It, it's got a very old man Logan feel. The Maestro does, except not hillbilly Hulk like old man Logan had. But he like keeps a museum with all of the, like he's got you know Hulk's or not Hulk Captain America's shield and like Iron Man's blasters. And hidden in there is uh, I believe Hellboy's arm. Oh, that's fun. And I think Superman's cape, but I'm not certain on that one. But it was just. George Press's way to be like, fuck, that book kicks ass. Right. Um, oh, that's that's a fun little And it's Hulk is sent forward into the future to stop post, post-apocalyptic evil him. It's goofy. It's everything over the top comic books. But if you want another Hulk story that's not quite what you would expect, that's a good one. Cool. So it's fun that you're doing a recommendation more on the Hulk side. Okay. Because if... If you, this all sounds good to you and you go want to go more on the horror the side, horror, especially like fucked up body horror and just like weird rantings and shit. Uh, <laughs> my recommendation will be uh, Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson's Cryptozoic Man. <laughs> <laughs> I flipped through that, but I've never read much of it. That's it's. It's really weird. It's hard to explain where it actually kind of ends up going, especially because some of the weird rants that Brian Johnson wrote for some of the characters, I think intentionally probably don't make sense. Uh, but uh, it's all about this middle-aged father who is out camping in the Pacific Northwest in Bigfoot country, and his daughter goes missing. And he goes running through the woods to try to find her, and gets abducted by gray aliens and turned into cryptozoic man. And the fate of the world is dependent on him trapping these different cryptids that he's also kind of bonded with. Like he, he's his character is an amalgamation of Bigfoot Loch Ness monster and the Jersey devil. And it's not, like, symmetrical. He is a walking horror show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one of the few episodes of Comic Book Man that I ever saw was the one where they pitched this book. And I definitely, I did laugh when they they got a hold of Nick, uh, Nick Barucci or something. He was in charge of Dynamite. Dynamite, yeah. Uh, and they're like, we have this book we want to like pitch to you. It's called Cryptozoonic Man. And he's like, okay, what's it about? And they're like, uh... And he's like, I'm not... Because their thing was kind of like, we're the comic book man. They'll totally... like We should make a comic. They'll back us up. And he's like, I'm not doing that until you tell me what we're pitching. And it wasn't a terribly difficult pitch because that was major like recognition for Dynamite on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. But they still had to fucking tell him... What it was. Uh, Walt Flanagan's the artist, right? Uh, yeah, Walt Flanagan's the artist. Brian Johnson wrote it. He did the art for Batman Cacophony, which is actually a very... I really liked Batman Cacophony for being what it was. It's Cacophony is also super interesting because you can actually 
very, very, no, even for me, who's not an art guy, noticeably watch Walt get more comfortable with drawing those characters as, as it goes on. Yes. Because uh, I think that was the first, like, or at least Major one of the first. title. Yeah, that was his yeah. first big one. Uh, him and Brian had done a comic back in the day. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Johnson and Walt Flanagan, just to help sell this, they're friends of Kevin Smith. Um, if you've seen Clerks, Randall is based off Brian. Mm-hmm. And, and they, he's meant they're mentioned throughout Clerks, and they appear in I think every movie as like Brian small isn't back. in Clerks because him and Kevin were fighting at the time. Okay. But they were the like you tell him Steve Dave characters exactly. from Mallrats. They're kind of Kevin Smith's high school buddies who he's turned into his little like it's not entourage because he's not rich enough to have an entourage, but like they, they run the comic book store that he owns. Right. And it's weird, though, because they don't really interact that often anymore because they live on separate sides of the country. Oh, yeah, because he lives in L.A. now. Yeah. So but it's, he's the back home friends, but he will tell you all day long that he owes everything to them because except Randall is Brian Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brody Bruce and Mallrats is based very heavily on Walt things with Flanagan. that they did with Walt Flanagan. And the comic book men, they kind of got themselves. Oh, really? Um, it, not necessarily themselves, but like it wasn't supposed to be a show about them. They simply used the stash um, when they were trying to develop uh, like a Pawn Stars type show mm-hmm. in a comic book or in a comic book store. Kevin was like, well, you guys can go use this store because I own it. And he was friends with the guy that was trying to get this show started. And he's like, if you guys want, like, my friends, like, I find them to be really funny. And they're the basis for most of my work. They have their own podcast. You guys should at least give it a listen because they're going to be there anyway. Yeah. So it would be really easy to use them. And then they went and listened to Tell Them Steve Dave. And basically went and said, no, you guys are the show. We're not casting. Like, you guys are the show. That's awesome. Um, I think they're interesting. I'm not a big fan of comic book men myself, mm-hmm. but I'm, like, it's cool that it exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do like Walt Flanagan's art. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's if Brody Bruce and Randall Graves made a comic book about a dude that gets turned into a monster man that has to go hunt down monsters for aliens with a ton of really fucked up body horror and just yeah anyway that's maybe the longest i've ever spent explaining a recommendation that's okay it related to kevin smith it was always going to happen that way (laughs) that's all i got yeah uh next week we will be we're back with dickie right doing uh dresden yeah yeah we're going to be all caught up on dresden i have not started yet we're going to be all (laughs) caught up on dresden which I mean, basically, watch out for spoilers. Spoilers ahoy. We will be covering the two books that came out this year of The Dresden Files. Super excited for that. Uh, In order for you guys to listen to us when we talk about that, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. That'd be super cool. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that'd be super cool. Uh, As, you know, algorithms run everything and we want to be there. And also tell people, like, that helps maybe share things be like yo these guys kind of know what they're talking about when it comes to comics and shit sometimes Ish. uh listen to them we'd be down with that uh, you can go 
You can go check out our website, www.generalnerdrynote. General Nerdcast. www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, you can contact us through the website or by emailing us at generalnerdrypod at gmail.com. Uh, click the links up at the top of the site. We are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out the other shows on the network. Listen to me talk about horror movies over on Fried Squirm, Zach. You can listen to me and my buddy Malark talk about war and war gaming and war treatises over on The Art of War Gaming. And... More. More. See, more editing more is done on word balloons that we've mentioned. We're just like the final little like post-production bits and pieces. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So that should be coming out soon. Uh, keep checking back for all of that. We'll also, of course, let you know on here. Keep listening to us. Please. Uh, find us across all the social medias. Search General Nerdery. We'll be what pops up. Yeah. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Dismissed.